This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. A Chester sound asleep. You know, he just perked up a second ago. Uh, Fuller's excited. Barked like crazy when the uh, big rig rolled in That's here. right. I perked up. Yeah. Real quick. I almost put my armor on, make sure I'm not going to get well, eaten No, up. the boys, no. You know, when, let me Stick tell you test. When, when Devin Leary pulled the fast one on us last week, the quarterback said, everybody <laughs> yeah. knew about it but me. Yeah. And he's talking to us. I don't know if you saw this, but he's talking to us. I'm, I'm watching him walk down our street. Yeah. All right. And I'm like, you know, if I didn't know any better, I'd say he's in my front yard. That's why I sit on the air because it kind of looked like Large it was on neighborhood. Yeah. And lo and behold, he keeps talking. As he's talking, he's walking down the driveway and I realize, hey, he is in my front yard. And next thing you know, he's at the back what door. What did they do? Oh, they went nuts. <laughs> you can't, just like what it was when you showed up. Yeah. So it was all live on television, but everybody pulled a fast one on me. But Devin Leary was great, by the way. Was that? Went, oh, okay. minutes. Yeah. Great. Now, by the way. Not to get off point, but he's a prime example. The Dave Doran factor. Well, and of not transferring. That's it. I mean, go battling, play. Battling it out. That's exactly right. Battling it out. Let me tell you something, man. I had that game two years ago when they had all those injuries and they're playing at Wake. And Wake is the better team just because they're not banged up. And Devin Leary got the start that day, and he was awful. They were so beat up around him. Well, right? he can I mean, be like putting me out con- there. Yeah, his confidence was down. Right. They're just and now now he's going to get hit on every play. Yeah, and now you look at him. It's amazing. Well, that whole period for NC State, and I, we've talked about this with Dave Doran. I thought was one of the best. Even though at the time you're mm-hmm. thinking, "Oh my God, the sky's falling." I mean, oh, no. we we can't even put. We really didn't have a roster to compete with well, anybody. They couldn't. they couldn't even practice. No, yeah. they were dead men walking. Yeah. But in some respects, now looking back at where they are now, and this goes back to Dave Doran, his staff, and maybe more importantly, the administration going, "That's our guy. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. Give him time." I know fans are upset. Give right. him his right. moment. All right. Now you look back, all the guys that got valuable playing time. Oh, yeah. They got but to they evaluate weren't, them. They weren't ready to play yet. Yeah. But guess what? They got their lip bloodied. And you know yeah. what they did? They rolled up their sleeves and said, let's get to work. No, no doubt. And now look at them. Now you look oh. at their team and you go, man, fifth-year guy here, fifth-year guy there. They remember those times where they're sure. getting kicked around. And now they got to be able to handle the expectations of, hey, we expect you to win double digits. Right. Win the Atlantic. Win the ACC, compete for it, possibly be a college football playoff team. It's I mean, kind of funny how it works. Think about that. I mean, it was it was him and Bailey Hawkman, right, right, right. And you're trying to figure out like, all right, and and neither of them leaves to their credit, you know. And here we sit with Devin Larry's going to, you know, looking to be poised to have a phenomenal year. And should, yeah. And, and again, knock on wood, stay healthy. Yep. Drink all that beet juice that he brought in here, which is brutal. But he says he drinks it before every game. Nitric oxide, man. What does that do? It's supposed to be good for your I, capillaries, and 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 it, it's really good for like your blood and heart health. I'll and all tell you what stuff. it's good for. Huh. For about the next five days. <laughs> What's that? Beet juice. Whew. Oh, did it go through you? <laughs> I don't know about the. I don't know about the capillaries you're so talking about. So this explains about. the weight loss. I, I, no, yeah, I, I lost sixty three pounds in three days. How did I do it? <laughs> Beat, beat juice. Devin Leary beat juice. <laughs> the Devin Leary beat juice. No, he's going to go. NIL for he's Devin Leary. There it is. There it is. He's going to have a great year. All right. Yeah. Uh, there are travels, North Carolina. We just talked about them right before we yeah. got into break. I'm going to take care of this. We'll do best and worst. Uh, you mentioned expectations. Yeah. Now it's kind of a step back of, okay, we got humbled a little bit. Fan base got humbled. Players, coaches, everybody. I mean, this was a preseason top 10 team that had a losing record. That doesn't happen often. So. You're Mac Brown, experience, and the good news is 
you got dudes. They've yeah. recruited well. They've got plays. Now, they, the quarterback situation is going to be the million-dollar question. But I'm kind of waiting for the defensive side mm-hmm. to kind of emerge. They've recruited extremely well on that side of the ball. They have, and they're finally starting to look the part. Like when you watch them come out of the tunnel. They got length, they've got height, they've got some weight to them, they look good in the uniform. They didn't look like that three years ago. And, you know, you get guys like Travis Shaw that's the early enrollee along the defensive front. Desmond Evans, I think, is finally going to come into his own now that they're going to just use him as a pure edge guy and get him off off the edge. They, They are, I think they will be schemed up well because with Coach Chizik, I think it's going to be about leveraging the football, limiting explosive plays, and tackling. All right, they think they're going to be better up front, but offensively, all right, Jacoby, whether it's Drake May, the dudes that are around them, their wideouts as a group is really, really good. I think the running backs are undervalued. They're going to have maybe multiple guys emerge this year. Zach Rice at offensive tackle may be their best offensive lineman before they hit week five this year, and he's a true freshman. So the, the they're poised to have a, I think, a, a nice rebound season, even though obviously the loss of Sam Howell is is something. I mean, you can't, you don't just snap your fingers and replace that production overnight. That's right. But I think the good news though for North Carolina, I think they will be more comfortable without the spotlight being on them. No doubt. And the fact that their arch rival right down the road at NC is State now getting it. is really North Carolina last year, year ago, right? Right, yeah. So yeah. It, it's going to be, they're in an interesting spot. Because I think there's going to be a lot of talk about Miami and Pitt on that side. No mm-hmm. disrespect to Brent Pride, Virginia Tech, right. or Tony Elliott, Virginia, or anybody else for that matter. But I think North Carolina will be comfortable in their position. Now they got to go prove that they're better than they're worth. Yeah, and, and now Dave Doran is looking at North Carolina and telling his kids, you see them? That's us right now. That's exactly right. That's us because of Lindy's or Athlon or Phil Steele or what have you. Or ACC Network or whatever. We are the off-season cup of tea, right? And so watch what that can do to you because it will change your work habits. It does change your focus. I will say this, though. When Devin Leary was sitting in this chair 10 days ago, uh, we talked about that with him. And I do think what we just talked about from a couple years ago when they got punished. Sure. I think that helps a team like that because they've had the experience of understanding the low mm-hmm. and they've now walked it, right? Oh, they've yeah. kind of walked themselves up to the penthouse and they're knocking on the door to yeah. say, hey, it's our turn. Yeah, right? no, totally no disrespect agree. to Clemson and Wake, they're sure. going to be really good. And I think the co- the Atlantic's going to be really good. But NC State kind of feels like, hey, experience, we got all the pieces in the place other than maybe running back, but they'll sure. find somewhere there. I think they understand from a five-year guy that we've been there, done that. Mm-hmm. This is not the fr- hot shot freshman or the guy that right. maybe had a good year last year and has read all the press clippings and is still just a sophomore. There are a bunch of old dudes at NC State. That, yeah. to me, is always different. It's always different. It it's, and it's why the, the Wake Force and the NC States and, like, you know, let's just say the Michigan States under Mark D'Antoni, when you're playing with redshirt juniors and redshirt seniors for the bulk of your two deep, you've always got a chance to be pretty good because you're playing a man's game against other rosters' kids. That's right. Other, you know, you get a Clemson, you're going to get a lot of three and outs, right? You get an Alabama, you get an Ohio State, you're going to have a lot of three and outs. They're not playing with redshirt guys, and they're sure. not playing with redshirt seniors. So that gives you your advantage. That closes the gap for you. As far as North Carolina goes, we'll put a bow on this. Uh, and Virginia has the same issue as they did going in last year, too. Being able to win on the, the road, road, right? I mean, everybody's good at home. I mean, right. I don't care if you're three and nine. North you know, Carolina's normally lost what 
seven, seven straight. Either, you got yeah, to be able to take it away from home. North Carolina yeah. fans have showed up. They filled out Keenan Stadium, which is great. They got yeah. the momentum from that perspective, even though last year was a hiccup. But being able to take that on the road, Wes, uh, to, to beat, I don't care who it is. Yeah. You know, it started with Virginia Tech last year where you're like, all right, we're different now. Mm-hmm. Boom. Bam. First series. Yep. The and they never recovered. Never recovered. And the yep. crowd's going nuts, and you just got a sense of, instantly, wow, yeah. Virginia Tech looks pretty good. Yep. What's going on with Carolina? North Carolina's got to figure out a way to take that thing on the road and go, guess what? We know everybody's screaming against us. Let's just go play. Yeah. Let's go win games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Worry about ourselves. Easier said than done, though. Yeah, it is easier, especially when you're dealing with young people. Yeah, I got that right. All <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of young people, let's get into the best and worst of the weekend. Again, it's kind of a condensed version because, let's be honest, just told you, really, the, the sports year has just officially ended for 21-22. But we're going to start on the good side with the best. And uh, we'll start with NC State. And we're going to go to the pool. That's right. We're going to the Agua. I got a question. Go ahead. Is the red line more accurate than our yellow yes. down marker? Yes. In football? Yes. Okay. But what you're watching is Justin Reese winning the gold Yeet. medal in the 50 backstroke in the 22 World Championships. There he is. Your old Justin, man. Nice. Wolfpack and house. He should have given us a little Dave Dorn there, yeah. right? You get there, you go, yeah, that's right. Gold. Gold. I'm saying gold. Gold. <laughs> Tell you what, it's been the world championships have produced some good news for the ACC. I mean, Alex Walsh from Virginia taking yeah. care of business a little bit ago, so pretty cool. See, I'm of the belief when we when we look at those types of accomplishments, and you look at whether it's swimming, diving, track and field, softball, what have you, that's where there's some potential NIL opportunities oh, because yeah. they are NIL opportunities tied to the Olympics. And if you can get through three or four Olympic cycles, your NIL doesn't stop after college. You know what I'm saying? Plus, here's the other thing: we can see them. Yes, right, right. You know, the, see their face, see everything about it. you. Can yep. see expressions or some personality. You kind of go, ah, yeah. good looking guy, good looking girl. You yeah. know what? Opportunity to be perfect for uh, a pitch person or whatever the case may be. Exactly. Totally different. Yeah. I mean, look at look at what Jenny Fitch became prior to the internet and prior to nil. Right. Holy smokes! Right. Exactly right. Great opportunities out there. And don't think it can't happen. I mean, I, I can take you back 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mark Spitz. Yeah. Right before we even knew about any of this stuff. Exactly. Before we even knew about sports marketing. Yeah. And now there's no question. And again, with the Olympic cycles, that's, you can make a living doing that for a long time. All right. Let me go uh, Duke. Speaking of track and field, how about this? You like track and field? You like this? I like the javelin. Me too. And I like... Discus. Discus. Yeah, discus. yeah discus, shot put, javelin, and you, high jump. I have a respect for the high jump. You like that? Yeah. How about uh, Lauren Hoffman advancing to the final running event, still representing the Duke track and field program. Shout out to her. Taking care of business. The other thing, too, and I've mentioned this with track and field, you until you go to a track and field event, you don't realize how talented these folks are. Well, not only that, and how because many things like, are going on at the same time. Right. Because yeah. you know, it's like watching a NASCAR race. I mean, if you're watching a NASCAR race or an Indy race, when everything is going 200 miles an hour, yeah. you're like, eh, I could do that. <laughs> you really can't. But, I mean, when you're right. sitting at yeah. home and you've never been, yeah. and you're watching everybody going 200 miles an hour, mm-hmm. eh, whatever, they're driving a the car. Whatever, do that. With, have a bologna sandwich yeah. in my hand. And turn it. left four times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, Bob, how you doing? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. But when you go and see it in person, yeah. and you realize it goes one lap, and you go like this, oh, my God. Yeah. You have got to, what, who would do this for a living? 
track and field to me is exactly the same way. When you get down on the track mm-hmm. and you see speed, mm-hmm. I mean speed, speed. Yeah. the human body going that fast, you're like, how is that possible? It's impossible what they do. I don't understand on the triple jump how people's knees don't and Achilles snap. tendons don't just snap. Boom. Right. Blow up like a chicken wing. It's, un- yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, Buffalo Wild Wings. And the, yeah, the power that they generate off it's of that crazy. Is, it's insane. That's the thing though, too, that if you don't realize is all right, you might be thinking somebody's running a four hundred, but you don't realize there's stuff going on in the infield right. at the same time they're doing it. Right. Yeah. Right. All right, let me get moving on this. Right. Uh let me go golf on you. Um Dylan. Right, let's get this right, because this is golf. And if West Durham was here, he'd break this down Benante? for twenty minutes. Yeah. He uh, won the tournament by four shots. I'm talking about the Northeast Am. And not only has he won it once, he decided, you know what? It was so much fun up here in Rhode Island. I'm going to go do it again. So Dylan Menante, congratulations. He's got the hardware. Look at nice. that smile, man. Million-dollar smile, making everything he looks at. Wins by four shots. Back-to-back Northeast Amateur Champion. I think he might be making some coin here pretty soon. Yeah. Quite a bit. Ah, uh, good. Yeah. I mean, golf's a different animal. Man. I know, but I mean. You got to win. You got to win a lot. Even when you finish last, they write you check. That would be true. <laughs> These guys in this uh, this Saudi Arabian group. Now, oh, my goodness. I'm available for a couple million to go out and break 90 if that helps anybody. Uh, exactly. What are we doing? I do not know. People, and here's what's funny. People are like, wow, these guys are crazy. Oh, yeah, that's right. You give me $200 million yeah, yeah. to go play golf for three days with no cut. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah. All right, uh, we got to mention this. Link Jarrett, um, of course, this story broke on Friday's show. Uh, he's going to leave Notre Dame's baseball program to take over Florida State. He played there. Great hire. But if you didn't see this uh, on social media, uh, do yourself a favor and watch this because this is called class. First class by Notre Dame, by Link Jarrett, and how he said goodbye to his team was absolutely special. It's what it's all about. And uh, if you haven't seen it, you need to check it out. So I'm going to tell you. That's the way you do it. And it was all about family. And uh, really, really cool. So check this out. This is a little bit about Link Jarrett saying goodbye to his Notre Dame baseball team and family. The best thing that ever happened to me was getting the job at Notre Dame. The best. There's no, not even close. Um, you guys impacted me my family, my career, and I'll never, ever forget what it felt like with you guys in here. Jack would have done everything in his power to keep me here as a head coach, everything. This was not about, this was not about money. This was not about this. He was addressing all that with me in terms of what can we do to keep it going. He would he was doing that. I couldn't make this decision based on those factors in my life right now. Couldn't do it. But I feel a responsibility right now to my parents, then my wife's parents, who have nobody else around to help them. And ultimately that was an overriding factor in what I felt like I had to do. Now, wouldn't that be uh, unique if every coach was able to do that? That's a touch. To they me, that was a touch of class. If they choose to. Well, that, that's a touch of class. Yeah. Well, I, I love the way Jack Swarbrick handled it at Notre Dame. 
And I know those kids are upset. It was an older team, but yeah. still, Link Jarrett, hey, it's about family. It was an older team that uh, embarrassed the balls. Greatest team ever. Did you hear that? <laughs> Mustard bottles still being thrown in Knoxville, part of the tradition. Uh, very quickly, on the best of the weekend, we continue this. Virginia Swimmers, I mentioned, won nine medals at the 22 World Championships. Nine of them. Keep telling you, if it involves water and the Wahoos, good <laughs> stuff is going to happen. And, uh, man, Virginia took care of business here. Nice. Jeez. You know what? The, that backstroke, I can't do the backstroke. At I can't all? do it at all. I got no game. What if you got into the ocean and you were the visiting team? I, I you was. Were forced to. No, I was. It's exactly almost why I drowned in Turks and Caicos a year ago. <laughs> Because I was doing the that backstroke. That's such a great story. Oh, well, it was a great story. I was dead. <laughs> what's, so, what's so great about that? Because didn't you, when you fell in the water or whatever it was, did, couldn't you stand where you were at? No, no, I was like 60 feet. Oh, oh, okay. And I, the worst thing is I had those goggles, and when I jumped in the water, I knew it was a bad idea, but when I jumped in and I had the goggles, I realized. Oh my God, I'm 60 feet. And then I saw big stuff swimming. And yeah. then I turn over on my back, like, and then the current, and then the waves are coming up over. You had that stupid snorkel. I kept sucking in water. <laughs> oh, oh, what a nightmare. And I got those stupid flippers on it. Just swim backwards. And I, boom. <laughs> I'm like, oh. I took the mask off, and I remember a couple of summers ago, you guys caught me. I think I was doing the show, and I was at the beach, and I I was going surfing. It was the first time I heard you make the statement that, listen, the moment you step into the ocean, the second the big toe hits the water, you're the visiting team. And every time I get on a surfboard, I can't get that out of my head. I I should never think about it. Everybody in the world should have that in their head. (laughs) I don't know what makes you think you're so special. That's I can't get it out of my head. Well, of course not. It's the smartest thing ever I'm a, said. I'm a, I'm a man with the ocean. I am too. I don't get in it. <laughs> not now. Especially. Uh, now forget that Turks and Caicos about to kill me. It's a beautiful place, but for crying out loud, it's a bad idea. Uh, by the way, uh, Clemson Lacrosse, getting ready to get started. We're going to zip through these real quick. Uh, everybody's showing up on campus. There you go. With a pet tiger. Get you la tigre. Here we go. First ever. Well, that worked out for Clemson softball. It's worked out great. Huh? Been pretty good. Tell you what, uh, this league in lacrosse is no joke, men or women's side. So Clemson will be rocking and rolling here pretty soon on that front. You'll be good to go. So that's kind of cool. And finally, very quickly, there was only one thing we put on the worst of the weekend. and involved hoops. I know this sport that you know and love. Yes. Yeah. Chester's, Chester's very favorite player in the league, Haley Van Lith. Okay. From Louisville. That's his favorite player. A little lefty, Louisville. All right. Carol uh, Lawson, the coach. Uh, guess what? We lost to Canada in the semifinals of the mm. FIBA, three by three, three on three, World Cup. We can't lose. It's basketball. We own basketball. Why is it three on three? It's three members. Well, let's get five it's members. Like seven what on seven. Here? It's, you know this as your football guy. Yeah, but seven on seven is not real. Hey, you know, hey, there's Haley right there. It's Chester's favorite. Lefty. <laughs> Little blonde, she loves Haley Van Lith. Well, there I can that. tell. Look, look at all the. Oh, he, he, his ears perked up yeah. as soon as he hears Haley it. Van Lith. It's look, good he, to go. he won't even face the monitor. Look well, at him. now he's turned his back on us because like know, a potato. Because he, he can. All right, we gotta get out of here. When we come back, name, image, and likeness. We uh. have a lot to address in this department. <laughs> Tom Luganville will give his thoughts. He's filling in for Western. I'm Mark Packer. Got the whole gang here today for the most part. Eight four four say CCN the number. You guys on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast.
This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Monday. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. That'd be Tom Luganville back in the basement for the first time in a while. Um, Friday is July 1st. It becomes the one-year anniversary of name, image, likeness. Amazing how far we've come and how much has changed in one year, isn't it? It's alarming is what it is. Game changer. Um, it's it's a game changer, and I don't think any of us truly know for the better or the worse quite yet. I think on the surface, there's a lot of troubling items that have have revealed themselves. But at the same time, I think it's important to note that, yes, it's something everybody's dealing with. But I think we have falsely labeled this as something that applies to everybody. And it really doesn't. Right. It, it really hits a very small percentage of the athletes involved, I think the biggest issue that most people have is that we're looking at all of these numbers that are being thrown around, whether they're confirmed, whether they're actually real or just internet fodder. We're all kind of scratching our heads and, and, and we're going, what are we basing this on? You know, so for example, you know, we've seen this thing leak down into recruiting because there are no rules. Everybody wants to talk about rules. All right. This is a gray area. All right, we have create coaches want to live in the gray area anyway, right? Because you're going to take whatever rules you have, you're going to go to your compliance coordinator, you're going to say, well, how do you interpret this? All right. Yeah, what's the loophole? Yeah. So now we've created this huge gray area to live in this space with very, very few programs that can actually afford to do it. You and I were touching off air about what happened with Jordan Addison in, in Pittsburgh. How's Pittsburgh supposed to compete with USC and Texas on the NIL front? All right. That's not a knock on Pittsburgh. That's not a knock. It's a reality when we admit to ourselves that not all programs are created equal. Not all resources are going to be equal across the board. And so I think in the next three to five years, if we continue down this path, we're going to find ourselves with about maybe eight to 10 programs that can say, all right, we can afford to live in this space. Yeah. When Ryan Day, who I respect. Yeah. Uh, the head coach at Ohio State, may, and I gave him all the props in the world for saying it. Saying it. Says, hey, I need 13 to $14 million to maintain my roster. No doubt. You know, that would have been so, what are you talking about? To now, you're like, hmm, 14 mil, okay. Right. And, if you're, and if you're a supporter, a <laughs> booster, you say, okay, guys, here's what we got to pony up to maintain right. our stature as one of the elite programs in college football. Right. That's the, that's the real world. And there's going to be very few that can. Well, that's, that's where I was going to go with yeah. you. That How many folks saw that statement and went, what's he talking about? What's he talking about is called reality. Yes. And, and, if you're, and if you don't think that's not happening at other institutions that consider themselves on that level. Yes. You're nuts. That's exactly what's going on. So it no doesn't mean that you have to have that. I mean, right. you could, all right, we only have $8 million. Okay, yeah. well, guess what? It's still $8 million, whatever the number is. Right. But if you're a school that doesn't have any concept of that, let me tell you your chances of competing on, in college football moving forward. Zero. Zero. I don't care who you got. I don't care who's your quarterback. I don't care who your coach is. I don't yeah. care how big your stadium is. Yeah. You got no shot. And we're going to see the divide, Tom, oh. of the it, – it, it's already humongous. Yeah. I think it's going to divide again. I think even amongst the ones that are on the good side of it that can compete – I think it's going to get to – unless there's some rule changes. Sure. I think you're going to see the divide again. Well, and the, and the problem is the rule changes or enacted 
is which is essentially what we need because we put the cart before the horse in all of this. Without question. We 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 dumped the most transformative legislation maybe ever put on college athletics onto the laps of all of these programs with zero instruction, rules, guidelines, parameters, enforcement and policing on how to go about doing this. Like Easter egg hunt. Great tag, we're it, we're done with this. Y'all figure it out. Right. That's exactly right. And so now we're sitting there. Because here's where I think the coaches are pulling their hair out, and I would what I would be too, because it, it is mind-boggling to me, is we talk about name, image, and likeness. Well, what's name, image, and likeness? At its core, what's it supposed to, to be? It's supposed to allow the current student-athlete at the collegiate level to potentially have the opportunity to earn off of their name, image, and likeness if they produce. If It should be an perform. enhancer. Correct. What we are now doing is now this is leaking down into the recruiting ranks. This is not name, image, and likeness. This isn't even pay to play. This is pay to sign. Because right. if it was pay to play, all right, then there would be rules. Some kind of an inducement that's or performance oriented. Correct. That, hey, you threw for 30 touchdowns. Hey, you make a million dollars or right. whatever it is. All right. You don't perform this and that. But the problem is because they're not employees you can't put performance standards right. in the contracts, which exactly is right. absolute insanity, which is why the Quinn Ewers experiment at Texas, I think, is going to be fascinating. We are talking about a player that has done nothing. But he did sign a seven-figure contract Correct. at Ohio State to sign some autographs. Right. And Couldn't to be four-string on the depth chart. Right. Then he gets to Texas. We don't know what else has come his way from an NIL. Has not attempted one pass. Not one. We have a player it's a right now. Great gig if you can get it. Great gig if you can get it. The problem is the moment you start talking about rules and the moment you start talking about guidelines, you're immediately going into court because now the answer is going to be, "Oh, you're restricting my ability to earn." All right. All right. So, what I say to that? All right. If we're going to start talking about rules, let's make the first rule. You want to start slowing this down in recruiting? Make a rule that you're not eligible to earn name, image, and likeness your freshman year. Good luck. I know. Good luck is right. But if you want to start curbing this, because, again, you just stated it, and it's painfully obvious, we're going to create the widest gap we've ever seen in college football through this if we don't start putting some some parameters on it because you can't compete. in. Re Look at what Tennessee and Texas A&M, and you're looking at some of these programs, they see a window. They see a window to close the gap with programs that they cannot close the gap with under normal circumstances. Yeah, it's a fast track. And they just start throwing stupid money. Because everybody, I've heard this too. People say, well, the market will eventually course correct. It may. But more often than not, when somebody is willing to lose money, you will not have a course correction. Because if their entire mindset is ego and being involved in the program and saying, I had a hand in this and I had a hand in that, they don't care if they lost. They have that money to lose so if they lose the money, keep throwing good money after bad over and over and over again, that won't correct the cycle. That won't course correct anything. I said for years and years doing the old radio show, and I said I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but this to me seemed pretty obvious. I would have, and it's too late now, but I would have tied in name, image, and likeness, whether you got paid a dollar or a million dollars, to graduation. No why, question. why would you not say, hey, listen, no, we're not going to restrict anything that you make. Mm -hmm. We're all for it. There's yeah. somebody out there, whether it be an individual, a corporation that believes Tom Luganville, mm -hmm. star quarterback, is worth a million dollars a week. 
Go for it. Right. Why should I feel bad? Hey, that enhances you, mm-hmm. the school, whatever. Let you get paid. But it should have been tied in that you don't see a dime of it yeah. until you walk across the stage, shake the president's hand and say, guess what? I am a graduate of school X. Then it's waiting. The pot of gold is waiting. And if you leave early for the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball or the WNBA or fill in the blank, that's fine. That money is still sitting there waiting for you as soon as you come back and get your degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, no disrespect. The best basketball player in the world, no disrespect, LeBron, Steph Curry. Yeah. Just got his degree from Davidson College. Yeah. You heard me. Just got his degree. Mm-hmm. Now, if name, image, and likeness was in place 15 years ago, what would he have been worth to Davidson when he was playing? Probably a, a nice piece of change. Yeah. Now, he, granted, he, he has just signed – for hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. But I don't care who you are. If there's still a million dollars waiting there for you, you're interested. I don't sure. care who you are. I don't yeah. care how much money you got. And the thing is, nobody's So trying- why would you not tie that into graduation? And in the NCAA, of all people, mm-hmm. who loves to beat their chest about education, 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 yeah. that was the way to get in front of it and yeah. say, listen, we're not going to restrict anybody from making a dime. Yeah. But what we're going to do is put the incentive that, yeah, the incentive is to not only perform but more importantly is to get your education to mm-hmm. perform. And that whole education concept has been completely lost in any dialogue. Dabo Sweeney the other day was talking yeah. about it. He was spot on. Yeah. We've lost the conversation of education. Where did it go? Yeah. This is all about transfer portal. How much money can I make? And am I playing? And I, hey. Well, here's what's going to happen. Crazy. Here's what's going to happen, Pac. Is, and it's only a matter of time. And it's, it's, it's the biggest nightmare in all of this. So we're going to have somebody... There's a high-profile recruit, right? Gets a bunch of money from from a recruiting inducement. Then goes on, actually ends up being a pretty good player. So he makes them NIL while he's in college. Then he listens listens to the wrong people. He leaves after his third year. He's a sixth-round draft choice. Doesn't make the roster. Now, if that player did not manage his finances, he is going to be without a job, without a degree, and all the NIL money's blown. And that's not what any of this was intended. Exactly right. And you talk about education. I'm going to run down the numbers. This is the National Football Foundation. I use this with kids and parents all the time, just running down the numbers. All right. 767 colleges that play football. All right. Um, There have been 60 colleges and universities that have added football since 2010. You're going to have another seven college or universities going to add college football from 2021 and beyond. But look at this. All right. You've got 81,000 college football players in the NCAA all the way down to NAIA. 81,000, all right? 0.41% of that 81,000 made an NFL roster on opening week. Wow. 0.41, all right? So guess what? 99.6, everybody plays college football, is doing something else. That's where the education tie-in is. And it's no different than when we went back two decades ago and they enacted satisfactory progress. Do you remember that? Right. Well, why did we enact satisfactory progress? Because we had to incentivize academic performance so that we were actually getting a kid from his freshman year to his senior year. And then when you did, he naturally, through the progression of satisfactory progress, knew that if I don't perform, I don't get to play. That's right. And then once I performed and played, by the time I got to the end of it, I got my degree. Yep. That's why the goal of every student athlete, as soon as your foot hits that campus, man, you got to get your degree. I don't care. Five star, no star. Well, not, you, to, not to mention they make it. I don't want to sit. All right. 
use my words carefully here. As a scholarship athlete, you have access to every available resource to perform academically, all right, that no normal student on the planet has. Take advantage of it. And not to mention, you know what 80% of it is? Showing up, going to class, just showing up and going to class. And now you've got tutoring, you've got study hall, you've got access to computers, you've got every available resource. If you are struggling or you need help, it is all laid out there for you as part of your scholarship. Because that's the other thing we've done in all of this. We've diminished the value of what a scholarship actually is. Exactly right. And, and that that's no never different than case. diminishing education. Totally agree. Yeah. You and I are on the same page. I can't even get a good argument with you on that because we, we are no. cut from the same cloth. It seems cloth. to me it's common sense. All right. Now, that, that to, but again, no, no common sense went into any of this. Not from the state legislation, not from the federal legislation, certainly not from the NCAA. And now, like we said, we talked about the transfer portal earlier. You've just added a monetary value, which turned it into free agency, but not like the NFL where everybody's playing with the same deck of cards. Yeah, they got more rules than we do. No doubt. But they have rules. The we have none. Exactly. Which is even crazier to think. Yeah. Makes zero sense. <laughs> uh, quick break. We got a lot to get into, including some recruiting news. That's right. Tom Luganville is a recruiting expert. Why not take advantage of that? We'll get into all that good stuff. Phone calls to at 844-SAY-ACCN. That's the program. That's the number. Tom Enford West. I'm Mark Packer. It's Packer and Durham on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and West Durham. Packer and Durham. All right, I got Lugs in here. He'll be here tomorrow as well, by the way. And we, we can expand this conversation because I probably will. Uh, recruiting. I know National Signing Day, the first one, is not until December. You got all kinds of verbals, and then let me emphasize, it's just a verbal commitment. Yeah. However, Tom, there have been a couple of storylines from an ACC perspective in recruiting that from my end, and again, I'm not a recruiting guy, I'm encouraged because, hey, I expect Clemson to get a great class, right? Sure. Florida State always gets good players. But there's some other storylines in the league of some schools that are getting at least some verbals of some incredibly high-profile kids. Yeah, and I th you can't have the conversation, I think, without starting off discussing Louisville, uh, the job Scott Satterfield's doing. And, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show the, the, the wide net that they are casting. Because, listen, the state of Kentucky has a very small pool of what I would call Power 5 caliber players that you could win a championship with. And you're going to share that pool with another Power 5 school in Lexington, and then you border on Big Ten country. So where do you kind of have to go? You, you've got to dip down south. You're going to have to get into Tennessee, get into Georgia, get into Alabama. And what Louisville has done is you, you just look at, at how far they've cast this net. California, Texas, multiple California kids, Indiana, Kentucky, Florida. All right, so they've done a really good job of finding some pockets. And again, the farther away they are, the harder it is to hang on. But the one thing I'd look at, particularly this time of year, and now since we have the transfer portal, is the numbers for the classes. So Miami is another team that's making waves right now, obviously with Jaden Rashad, the quarterback that just verbally committed. We're not seeing classes that have 19 verbal commitments anymore. We're not seeing classes that are sitting here in July or June that have 17 or 21. 
because the scholarships have become so limited and because of the transfer portal and because of the extra year of eligibility, that's the thing that gets glossed over in all of this. You have to be very, very careful with the guys that number one, that you decide to take. And then you've got to do everything in your power to hold on to them because of what name, image, and likeness. So now you have this other variable that's come into play that is playing a significant role in, well, what can you do for me? Cause I'm, I'm Wes, I'm going to Wes pack. I'm sorry. Is he over there? There he is. There's this picture right there. I'm sorry. Um, Pack the, and, and I've spoken with multiple coaches about this. I had three spring games in the month of April. And we were talking about NIL and recruiting. And he said, he, every, every coach to a man said the exact same thing. He said, we don't have recruiting discussions anymore. We don't have recruiting conversations that involve the state of the program, player development, resources, NFL opportunities, areas of study, social environment. The conversation begins and ends with what type of deal can you put together for me in NIL? How about that? Period. And it doesn't matter if it's the parent. doesn't matter if it's the player. doesn't matter if it's a third-party runner. doesn't matter if it's a seven-on-seven coach. It's all anybody cares about now. And so when you're having to battle that, recruiting's hard enough. When you're having to battle that and work against it, particularly if you're not at a Clemson, you're not at Ohio State, you're not at an SC or a Texas or a Texas A&M, you've got to do a really, really good job in selling your program, you know, and hopefully identifying some kids that don't have such a narrow view of the short term that get the bigger picture. That's hard to do. Now, apparently the, the top running back in the country, like, yeah, every, everybody's got a different list. Sure, yeah. But, but going to Louisville. Yeah. At yeah. least it's verbally. Verbally committed to Louisville. to Louisville right now. So now the question then becomes, what happens in his recruitment? From this point forward, obviously there was something there that he's attracted to with Louisville and whatever Louisville's put forth as far as how they've sold their program and how they've pitched uh, the job that they're going to do. Because from a recruiting perspective, the caliber of player that Louisville has verbally committed, I have not seen in the 17 years I've been doing this for, for this company. Uh, so... They're, they are, the problem is they're making noise and they're drawing attention to themselves. That's all right. That's fine. Ain't great, wrong right? with that. great for the program. You have to do that if you're going to win. Great. Great. Have exactly. To. Great for the program. Just adds more chum in the water. Right. Okay. And the sharks start circling. Right. Yeah. Hey, and hey, now you got to battle it. If you're going to be one of the big boys, this is how you play. You got to dive into that pool. That's right. There's no question. Uh, you mentioned Miami gets a verbal from a, a quarterback that's supposed to be an all world player. Yeah, really good athlete, Jaden Rashada. Again, out of California. I think that's the one thing with Mario Cristobal is because of the time he spent on the West Coast, he too can cast a wide net. If there's something he's not seeing, I think traditionally we look at the state of Florida and we say, okay, is it producing great quarterback play at the college level? I mean, it, is it maybe not traditionally year in and year out? But the state of California does, right? And there's some places obviously scattered throughout. Why the- is that? Is that just a cycle that we're going through? Or is I, it? I think a lot of it is seven on seven. There's seven on seven. The state of Texas, the state of California, state of Arizona, that West Coast. Uh, seven on seven has been so prominent for decades. I mean, going back to, I mean, I was in high school in the early 90s and we were doing seven on seven tournaments on college campuses. That wasn't happening in other places of the country. I think the private tutorship of quarterback coaches and some of the offseason stuff is there too. Um, but regardless, they identified a guy that's been heavily recruited on a national scale. And so, you know, if you're looking at, and it, if let's just assume Tyler Van Dyke has a really good year, right? So now all of a sudden this kid and Jaden Rashada looks at this and says, wow, okay, 
I made this decision. This is why I made the decision. Then look at the results of what they're doing with their personnel and what they did with Tyler and how does that fit with me. He's a little bit more, I would say, dynamic of a player as far as um, athleticism to create and keep plays alive. Not everybody has to be Lamar Jackson, but the game's changed. I mean, the you know the game college football isn't what it was when Peyton Manning played. Right. You know, and so there, there you're going to have to have some juice and some stuff that you bring to the table that maybe wasn't ideally necessary 25 years ago. We got about a minute before we got to go to break here. Uh, Clemson's had a big June, haven't they? They have, um, and I think that. The, that's the thing is when they get kids on campus and when they get kids into the the camp cycle there's that's where the i think the the big picture is really outlined for these kids because a kid's going to if he's a high profile guy and he looks at the success Clemson's had he's naturally going to be attracted right then the goal is we got to get this kid on our campus and then we got to get this kid to perform in our camp and that's another thing that's become so big and we don't have a lot of time here participation in on campus camps if you want to be to, to reaffirm or confirm a scholarship offer don't be the kid that says well why haven't you offered me why would I go to camp because now you're just sending up a red flag so I think what Clemson does is that they do a really good job of utilizing June to close the deal. And they have. Yeah. Based on verbals. Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I emphasize yeah. all of this is yeah. verbal. And again, the world of recruiting, anything can happen on mm-hmm. any given day. Uh, but Dabo seems to be raking up. So for, real quickly, big picture, early. Again, it's early. Uh, Clemson's off to a good run, right? Start. Louisville's off to a good yes. start. Miami's off to a good start. start. Wake Forest. Wake <laughs> Forest just kind of does what they do, right? Right, right. And I, but I know it's early. It's 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 early, but the thing is, is I think Wake is starting to get to that point where they're teetering on. We don't want to deviate with how we got here, right. but because we've won more, more people are interested. Yes, we have access to maybe a higher profile player. How do you balance that, right? Dave Clawson's pretty good at all pretty, that stuff. Pretty darn good, is yeah, right. No doubt. All right, quick break. We'll get more recruiting. Like I said, Tom's in here tomorrow too. We can spend even more time talking the recruiting game. Uh, numbers eight four four say ACCN. If you want to jump on board, have some fun with us. Uh, Frank Signetti Jr. was on with us last week, and uh, again goes from BC, goes to Pitt, got a new quarterback. Still likes his wide receivers too, by the way, despite Jordan Addison's departure. If you missed it, you'll get it next. Packer and Durham on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Monday, in case you missed it, Pittsburgh's Frank Signetti Jr. joined us on the program, and we got right into it, asking him about his quarterback room. Well, I tell you what, I'm really impressed with both young men. Uh, you know, the quarterback room is special. Both uh, Nick and Keaton have done an outstanding job learning the system, um, competing, learning with each other. You know, we've had a lot of fun doing it. You know, we're excited to go into training camp. All right. You know, I knew Wes would go right to the quarterback because that's what the play-by-play guys do. Forget that nonsense. (laughs) Let's talk about that entire offensive line coming back, Frank. Because, you know what, let me tell you something. I don't care who's a quarterback. If you can't block up front – the dude's running for his life or he's flat on his back. So the fact that you've got that whole core back coming off an ACC championship season, uh, explain to the folks at home how much easier life gets when you've got those big boys up front that know what they're doing. Well, it all starts up front. 
And, uh, you know, Coach Narduzzi has built a tremendous football program here. We have great culture. Uh, Coach Borbley has done a great job with the mindset and the skill development up front. You know, ha having the veteran experience and those guys working together is invaluable. Um, you know, we want to establish the mindset up front again, and we had a great spring. We're having a great summer, and once again, we're looking forward again to training camp. All right, so when you bring in your system and you kind of know what was there and what they were doing, uh, how, how much difference is there? What are the variations? What similarities are there uh, in terms of getting ready to go to work in 22? Well, I think there's a lot of similarities. You know, first off, uh, Coach Narduzzi and Coach Whipple, they had an excellent system in place here, you know, with the pro background. Um, we want to try to be balanced here. What's that mean? We want to be able to have a good run game. We want to have a, multiple protections. We want to have an explosive passing game. Um, you know, the nomenclature, the way you call plays might change a little bit. But once again, the foundation's the same. Uh, losing Jordan Addison, uh, you wouldn't wish that on, on anybody. Uh, but you know what? We had Paul Zeiss on here last week. Uh, actually, it was earlier this week. And he said, you know what's the one area that, you know what, this team's still going to be fine. H how would you describe the wide receiver room right now at Pitt? Well, we got a great receiver room. Once again, it goes back to uh, the staff doing a great job recruiting these student athletes to the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, the wide receiver coach, Tyquan Underwood, is a pro. He's a great teacher. He's a great person. He's played in the National Football League. You know, once again, it's about skill development. So, uh, you know, we're going to train our wide receivers like the NFL wide receivers. We're going to put them in a position to be successful. It is a solid group. We have seen tremendous growth this spring and summer. Uh, we're really excited about the perimeter group. You know, Frank, here's the other thing, too. The combination game was so good there, right? I mean, everybody got caught up in what Kenny was doing from a statistical standpoint and a playmaking standpoint, but a Banacanda. Rodney Hammond Jr. made some big plays for you. I mean, Vincent Davis has had moments in his career when he's been healthy. It feels like your running backs really fit nicely with what that offensive packaging can be. Yeah, we got a really talented group. You know, Coach Powell has done a great job training these guys in all three phases. You know, they have great vision. They got good short area bursts. They can break the long ones and hit the home runs. They do a good job in pass protection and their flare control. Uh, you know, once again, just like the offensive line in the wide receiver room and the quarterback room, we have talented players, we have depth, and we're going to have great competition in training camp got to really feel good to know that hey i'm in a place i truly love and and it, it gets personal right it does get personal for you from a coaching perspective from a real life perspective getting back to pittsburgh yeah it uh you know it's a dream come true again uh i you know coach narduzzi and myself we didn't know each other so uh mm, when coach reached that. out to when coach reached out to me i was like let's go man i mean you yeah. know, we, we, had to, we had to get to know each other, make sure it was the right fit. Um, but to come home to Pittsburgh, it's kind of like coming uh, full circle. So, so excited, so blessed, you know, and it's so much more than just coaching at Pitt. You know, it's bringing, it's bringing our family back to Pittsburgh where, where we have family here and my kids can be with cousins and, you know, just, just being back around my mom and dad and being around family. Um, 
Yeah, it's really special. And as you guys know, right. Pittsburgh's the greatest city in America for football. You know, this is the city of champions, and there is such yeah. an unbelievable storied football history here, which Coach Narduzzi is taking to another level. And it's great to right. be a part of it. Frank, I want to just want to follow up on that a second uh, because I, I get a sense that it, it, this was an emotional, absolutely yes, let's do it. Right? I mean, this was more. It's more than just a job for you going back home, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, it's home. You know, Coach Narduzzi and I were talking this morning at the coffee machine about man, how nice it is to be home. You know, usually. Uh, in this profession, you're not living at home and you can't wait for vacation because you just want to go. And I told him, I said, look, I'm home. I'm not even thinking about vacation, uh, you know, yeah. and, and it feels great. I, I just can't tell you. It's, it's priceless um, to be where you really want to be and, and, and with a great program and with great people because Coach Narduzzi has built such an unbelievable culture here and it takes people and uh, it's really just great to be a part of the program. All right. I want to ask two questions here. One, uh, in the summer, with your brother, the great coach of James Madison, Kurt, and your dad and your background, the pedigree the Signetti family has in football, <laughs> do we still take the salt and pepper shakers during the summer at some point and we start talking ball, or have we evolved to the whiteboard? Do we have film sessions? How big of a deep dive do we get in some of this? You know what? Um, we used to play a lot of golf, but now it's more just sitting <laughs> down and, uh, you know, just talking about family. And I like talking to my father about the history of his career, um, just trying to mm -hmm. learn more about him as time goes on. And, uh, yeah. you know, when the three of us get together, it's invaluable to have those memories. All right, well, we here's the last question for me. Here's the last question for me. I'm going to give you, you got to tell me your favorite pit player growing up. Yeah, you know what? Um, Tony Saragusa. Mm. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. That hit, That's a good one. Speaking of hitting home, uh, that, that news, I think, shocked all of us, Frank. Uh, it really yeah. did. I mean, the you know, age of 55, unbelievable. Yeah. You know, yeah. a little emotional. Uh, I was telling one of our coaches this morning, you know, as a GA in 1989, I was a defensive GA, and Goose was my guy. And then I got a chance yeah. coaching National Football League, and we played against him when he was with the Ravens. And then uh, I saw him all the time on the sidelines when he was with Fox. Uh, my last communication with him was three weeks ago. Um, hmm. Man, I just, I just love the goose, as we all did. Yeah, sad news indeed last week. The age of 55, goose passed away, and the thoughts and prayers to everybody with pit football, his friends, family, and everything else. We appreciate Frank joining us yeah. last week. You know, it, it's interesting. I've been in this sideline analyst role here at ESPN going on what will be a decade, and you could make an argument that that was created with him. Yeah. Right. That different perspective from the field, either from a player or a coach's perspective, adding to what the booth sees from their vantage point versus the field level that started with him. He was a great character. Yeah. I mentioned oh. before I had a chance to interview him multiple times on the old, old primetime of the Pac-Man yeah. show. He was a great radio interview because he was a character. He'd <laughs> oh, tell yeah. stories. 
he really didn't care what he said. He didn't care if he offended you. He just spoke from the heart. Yeah. And uh, thoughts and prayers got to everybody there. No question. Uh, quick break. We come back. Power Hour is next. We'll continue our conversation regarding name, image, and likeness, transfer portal, guest galore as well. Kevin Johns from Duke, John Radzinski from Virginia, and your phone calls. We go till 10 a.m. Tom, filling in for Wes. It's Packer and Durham on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. 